good morning again. Uh, I'm super glad to be here. Uh, as you can tell, um, I get excited when I do this, but sometimes I get overexcited. So one of my biggest uh, jobs is to just to go, uh, help me out and uh, get excited about this message with me because uh, we are in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we've been working through Romans for, uh, well, since I've been born, feels like. And uh, I love, I love Romans. I love Romans. Uh, I have been encouraged as I sit under the weight of Romans. I've been challenged as I've been tasked with preaching portions of Romans. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so glad that I get to finish up Romans chapter 6 with you this morning. The name of this, this sermon series is uh, Romans, the crown jewel of salvation. And if there was ever a verse... If there was ever one verse we could pick out of the book to communicate or to typify that theme, it is what we are going to work on today, Romans 6, 23. Now, um, when I had to sit down and think, how in the world am I going to talk for 45 minutes on one verse? I was a little, little nervous, uh, a little scared, but there's so much uh, richness in this verse, and I'm just excited to, to work through it with you uh, today. So what I'd like you to do is ro- uh, open up your Bible to Romans 6. Uh, we'll be in uh, mostly 23 today, but I want to start back at 15. I want to just spend some time, once again, reminding us where we've come from as we, as we move forward uh, through the morning. So Romans chapter 6, 15 and following. What then? Are we to sin because we are no longer under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves, slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteous leading to sorry slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? God, we need your grace this morning. Uh, I pray that you would be with us, that you would uh, work in our hearts as we hear from your word, as we think through what Romans 6.23 should communicate to us. God, I just, uh, I always am am filled with a little bit of weakness when I come here and when I stand up in front of everyone. Lord, I just pray that you would remind me that it's not about me and it's about you. And would we all benefit and grow from the truth of your word this morning. Jesus, change our hearts. Make us like you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Well, as a Christian, there's probably nothing more encouraging and exciting to me than Baptism Sunday. There's nothing that I love more than Baptism Sunday. We do it about twice a year, and I just, I just love it. You know, our numbers uh, are the highest they are of most of the year, but that's probably because they count most of you three times because you sit in every service to see, I, I do, uh, many of you do, sit in every service to hear the testimonies of what Christ is doing in people's lives. I just love Baptism Sunday because we get to hear about what God has done in people's lives. Now, for me, uh, it's hard for me to identify exactly when I became a believer. You know, for some people, there's like this point in time where they know everything clicked. Uh, They put their trust in Christ in that moment, and boom, they can always look back to that. Well, it's a little different for me. I I can't remember that. Um, I was born in uh, July 9th, 1987, uh, to Joe and Donna Fultz. I... Uh, I have godly parents who love the Lord. I've been raised in a home with parents who uh, have taught me biblical theology. They, they have took me, taken me to church. They've, I've sat under my dad's teaching or other pastors' teaching. We moved overseas to be missionaries and church planners in the Czech Republic. Uh, I've been raised in a, in, a, in a Christian home that loves the Lord, um, that people that love the Lord. Uh, here's a good example. For example, you know, uh, on Christmas Day, I remember, I think I was 15 years old. I, I got this big box and I picked it up and it was heavy, almost Xbox-like. And so uh, I unwrapped it and popped it open. Grudem Systematic Theology. <laughs> really? But my dad knew uh, what he was trying to do and he wasn't about making uh, a gamer. He was, a bit, he was about trying to lead me to Christ. And so he told me, I remember looking at him, he said, son, that'll help you, I promise. I said, okay, dad, okay, dad. I try to smile, you know, like, yay. But that's, that's the family that I grew up in, and I love my family. Uh, I've got two brothers, uh, and then my mom and dad are, are awesome. Um, so it's hard for me to identify, really, growing up in that kind of context, really, when I became a believer. Uh, I can see a point in middle school where I started to love uh, God's Word and uh, read large chunks of God's Word on my own free will. It wasn't assigned to me as homework, and, or, you know, discipline wasn't threatened if I didn't read it. it, it I, 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 w- I went to God's Word because I wanted to learn more, and uh, I started to change a little bit. I started to, I think, be a little more others-focused than, uh, than I was previously, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I can't really put my finger on a time where I could say, that's when you became a Christian. But there is a time in my life where I can put my finger on or I can see it clearly as a time where I truly was living for the Lord. Where there was really no questions. I mean, I was still sinning, yes, but my, my life became more about the pursuit of Christ than, than the pursuit of myself in the pursuit of what I wanted. And it was probably the back end of high school, early into college. And there's, you know, it wasn't that I was sitting under like an amazing pastor. It wasn't that I had read this one book that changed my life forever. If there's one thing that I could point to as a catalyst for my growth, it was that I decided to start thinking about the gospel. I decided to start thinking about it. Now for some of you, you might be like, duh, Ryan. You got that in high school. I had that in four, at four-year-old. Like, that, that wasn't the same for me. And I don't just mean thinking about Jesus paid at all, but thinking about my sin, what my sin deserves. Thinking about, in turn, the grace that I've received and how I've been giving that. 
And then thinking about, well, if that's true, I want to live differently. I want to go after holiness. I want to honor the Lord in my life. But it started with me being willing, and by God's grace, actually, the Holy Spirit working in my heart to help me think regularly about the gospel. And that's truly what Romans 6.23 is all about. It's, it takes this large, uh, bigger-than-life truth of the gospel and kind of boils it down into one verse. It boils it down into one verse for us. And so what I want to do with, with the time that we have is I want to show you two different options or paths or lifestyles that you see in Romans 6.23. And they are this. There are two different masters you can serve. Two different possessions that they offer. And two very different means by which you get the possessions they offer. Two different masters, two different possessions, and two different means. So the first one we see is this. When sin is your master, death is your possession that you have rightfully earned. When sin is your master, death is your possession that you have rightfully earned. Look at the beginning of verse 23 of Romans 6 with me. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The first master we see in Romans 6.23 is sin. We've talked about throughout Romans 6 what it looks like to be enslaved to sin. In fact, Romans 16 reminds or sorry, Romans 12, uh, 6, 16 reminds us that we are a slave to either sin or obedience. And when sin is your master, death is what you get. Now, we must just take a moment and understand this. We are not born as free agents. We don't come out of the womb thinking, which team am I going to go with? You know, yeah, God seems pretty cool, uh, but sin seems pretty satisfying. Uh, which one do I choose? No, we come out of the womb enslaved already. We call that inherited sin. We come out of the womb pledging our allegiance to sin. Every single person, that's you, that's me, look at your neighbor, tell them it's them. That was bad, that was bad. let's try it again. Look at your neighbor, tell them that was them. All right, good, thank you. Every single one of us was born this way. Sin is not simply just missing the mark or, because uh, really at the end of the day, we weren't just shooting at the target. We were shooting as far away from the target as possible. Sin is rebellion against the creator God. It's saying, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. God has created the world to work in a certain way, in a way that we can find most joy. And if we look back to Adam, it's the first time where we see humankind say, I think I want something a little different here. Romans 5.18 reminds us, Therefore, as when one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Through Adam, sin has come to all of mankind. Ephesians 2.3 uh, says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were by nature, we were born this way. We cannot get around this fact. If you don't believe me, let me recommend one thing that will help show you this. Have kids. I don't mean that in a bad way. I've got three kids. I love my kids dearly. I can remember the moment in my own heart and mind when I saw my firstborn son, Daniel, and I realized, you really are a sinner. (laughs) And it wasn't yesterday. He's four. (laughs) It was when he was like five or six months old. And I remember... I might have shared this story, but I'm going to share it again. I remember looking at him as we're starting to train him on what to touch and what not to touch. Um, Part of it's for safety, part of it's for training, right? Um, They need to know there are certain things they can't touch for their own good. Um, So we had started to, you know, pinch the hand if they touch something after we say no. Just trying to train him a little bit. Um, And I remember a time where he was reaching after a cord. He's not crawling around, but he's like wiggling around trying to grab things. He's reaching after a cord. And I say, Daniel, no touch. Daniel, no touch. And this is him. I'm going to try to do this in a way that you guys can all see. So he's reaching at the cord, and this is him. (laughs) Grabbing onto that cord, just saying, Daddy, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Dad? But I could see it, and I remember going, no, not yet. Already? But But that's, that's what I saw in his eyes. I saw rebellion. Really? I'm sure it had been there already, but that's when I remember it clicking. Here we go. Here we go. We are born slaves to sin. Now, sin is not just only our master, but it truly is our greatest enemy. Enslavement to sin not only destroys us in this life, but brings death to those enslaved by it. So what possession does it offer? It offers you death. For the wages of sin is what? Death. That's a great master. Here's what I'll give you for your time. I give you death. Now this death is not simply a death of our body because we know every one of us will die someday. This is a spiritual death, specifically eternal separation from God and punishment from God. Now do you realize every one of us is going to be held accountable one day? Not just non-believers. Every one of us will stand before the throne and be held accountable for our actions. You don't believe me? Romans 3 says this. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Which one of you does not fit into the whole world? Good answer, no one. We all fit into this description of the whole world and we will be held accountable. Because of sin, God will judge us. And if sin is our master, death is what we get. You see, Jesus saw this and he tried to teach about this and called people to repentance. In fact, his teaching on sin was incredibly radical. If you look in uh, Mark chapter 9, why don't you turn there real quick. Mark 9, 43 through 47, you'll see a time that Jesus is addressing sin and talking about hell, and it's, it's pretty radical for us to look at it this way. Mark 9, 43 to 47. 
It says this, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. For it's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. Now, I'm not telling you you need to chop off your hand today. But what I am telling you is sin is real. Your slavery to sin is real. And it deserves death. Our slavery to sin gives us death. Now, it's not just an old wives' tale. This is not something we tell our kids just to help them obey. This is not how this works. If, if I could write this out of here, if, if, if men had written the Bible, hell would not be in it. And at the very least, we'd be able to earn our way out of it. But hell would not have made it into the scriptures if we had actually come up with the idea and it was of our own volition. Wayne Grudem actually defines hell as a place of eternal conscious punishment for the wicked. So you can tell my dad Grudem did come in handy. (laughs) A place of eternal conscious punishment for the wicked. In Revelation 20, 15, it says, And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is real. This is real. If you are still enslaved to sin, I have to tell you that your name is not in the book of life. If you're going to end your days outside of submission to God, if you're going to end your days fully submitted to sin, I'm sorry, your name isn't there. But it's not because I'm that good or I, it's not because I'm that amazing. It's not because that person next to you who's a believer has it all down and has it figured out. We'll get to that. But at the end of the day, if you're still submitted to sin, you're in slavery. And that death is your possession. Now you may be saying, Ryan, wait a minute. You just got done telling us that we were born into this situation. How in the world is it fair? How is that fair for us to have death as our possession? Well, the means by which you get this, I think will clarify that. For the wages of sin is death. Wages are not a gift. If if you employ anybody, if you have a business where you employ everybody... Um, you don't call your paycheck a gift. You call your paycheck wages, or here's your paycheck, here's uh, you getting what you have earned. Because if you didn't get a paycheck, if it was truly a gift, then you shouldn't be upset, right? If you don't get your paycheck, you should be, well, it was a gift anyways. I don't think that would be a good idea, right? I like my paycheck. I do put my time in, so I want to get my wages, Scriptures tells us in Romans 3 that no one is righteous. And it says it again, no, not one. 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we don't just come into this world enslaved by sin. We also come into this world in the pursuit of sin. Going after sin ourselves. 
We don't come out just enslaved, but then make all the right choices so we're not living in sin anymore. We all sin. We all sin. We can see it in our selfishness, in our pride, our bitterness, our inability to forgive, our laziness, our need for control, our failure to submit to the authorities that God has placed in our lives. We can see sin everywhere. And our world is not getting any better. We're only seeing the effects of sin in greater detail. Now, if that's not not convincing enough for you, let's think about this word wages just a little bit more. Now, that's a Greek word obviously translated into wages. But that word was really a general term for receiving payment for services. But mostly how it was used is it's a military term. It was a military term for a soldier getting paid for his service. So this isn't even just, I was enslaved and so I did work and so they decided to pay me. This is willing service to your master. Willing service as a soldier before his general That's why uh, Doug Moo, who's a New Testament scholar, he says it this way. Paul pictures sin as a commanding general paying wages to his soldiers. That possession of eternal death is yours and mine because we earned it. We earned it. By how we live, by how we rebel against God, by how we say, I will do my way, not your way, we sin regularly and get paid for our service. Now, if you remain enslaved to sin, there is no hope. For the wages of sin is death. There's no other outcome for you. Sin gives you what you've earned, and that is death, eternity in hell. When sin is your master, death is your possession that you have rightfully earned. Now we could stop there. We could leave today and really feel the weight of our sin. And it wouldn't be the end of the world. But 23 goes on. Verse 23 moves forward. So it actually gives me great joy to move past this master, and move on to the other one. When God is your master, eternal life is your possession, and you have been freely given it in Christ. Let me say that again. When God is your master, eternal life is your possession that you have been given freely in Christ. That is some good news. Take a look at the back end of verse 23 with me. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even though sin is the master we're born under, there is another master. There is another master and he is good, he is kind, he is loving, he is righteous, and he is pure. And he says, come to me. Leave your slavery to sin. We have an option here by the grace of God. 
uh, Romans 6.22 says, But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, there is another option. You see, God is offering you and I the opportunity to change our citizenship. I don't know if you guys have been watching the Olympics, but there's this, there's this uh, uh, skater, this speed skater, who formerly skated for a different country and now is skating for Russia. He has switched his citizenship and actually just won a gold medal. He switched his citizenship and is no longer living for the glory and the honor of his former country, but is now living for the glory and honor of a different country. We have that opportunity. We can change our citizenship by the grace of God. But it's not just a change in citizenship. This is what blows my mind is God offers us adoption. We can become part of the family. Ephesians 2.19 says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You can have adoption. You see, God is a better master. He is offering you the opportunity to submit to him to become family. And the possession he offers you is eternal life. Eternal life with him. That's the possession that he offers. When God is your master, your possession is eternal life. Where sin only offers you death, God offers full, abundant, eternal life in Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Now, I know you've heard that verse many times. Uh, it's probably the most memorized verse in the whole entire world. Uh, it's on athletes' cleats. It makes it on their eye black. It, it, it makes it onto bumper stickers and mugs. And I think sometimes we just don't think about it anymore. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to free us from death that we rightfully deserved. And he gives us eternal life. You see, we were enemies of God because of sin. We were enslaved to sin and separated from him. And now we get an eternal relationship with him. One of Jonathan Edwards' very first sermons that he preached was, uh, he was probably about 18 or 19 years old. That idea freaks me out. (laughs) Being 18 or 19 and preaching a sermon. But this guy was a boss. Uh, He loved the Lord. And he preached this sermon entitled Christian Happiness. The thesis, Christians should be happy. Pretty simple, right? He had three main points. He said Christians should be happy because our bad things will turn out for good. Romans 8, 28. Our good things can never be taken from us. Salvation. And our best things are yet to come. Our best things are yet to come. I think there's a reason why so many of us get frustrated in this life is because we think we're supposed to get our best things now. But if you look at all over scriptures, that's not what we see. 
we are told your best things are yet to come. You will spend eternity with God if you're a believer. Don't try to make and build your own empire and your own kingdom here in this world because that's not where you'll live. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says your body is a tent, not a house. Your body is a tent, a temporary dwelling. Your best things are yet to come. That's the possession that God offers to those who are his. To those who have had a change in citizenship. Revelation actually paints a beautiful picture of a a new heaven and a new earth and what this will look like. But I just want to read verse 3 of chapter 22 where it says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. Think about that. We will have eternity with God. We will get to worship him, relate to him in a way that we cannot even imagine. Our best things truly are yet to come. There will be no more pain, no more guilt, no more sin. And eternity with our master, eternity with our father, all of his saints will worship But how do we get this? You say, Ryan, that sounds great, but how in the world do I get that for myself? Well, this is what makes the gospel so glorious. Look down at Romans 6.23 again as we read the last half. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when God is your master, eternal life is your possession that has been freely given through Christ. That is how we get it. Now I want to make sure you understand two things about this word free. Just because it's free doesn't mean it was unpaid for. It doesn't mean it wasn't paid for. It's not like um, so like when my wife and I, we go out to Olive Garden and we bring a coupon. That's, that's $2 off, but I'm still paying 30 right? It's not free. Or the golf clubs that I've been given, they're only free as long as they sit in my backyard. Because if I go to the, the range or if I go to uh, the golf, uh, golf outing, I've got to pay to use this. That's not the free that we're talking about. Because it was paid for. By someone, his name is Jesus Christ. When you look at this cross, we see payment. We can't earn it. We can't just go get it. I can't buy it at the grocery store. It is freely given in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, hands down, is my favorite verse in the Bible. You will never hear me say otherwise in this pulpit. Actually, I should be careful from saying that. <laughs> but this is my favorite verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for me so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus had to become sin for you and me on the cross. He had to bear the wrath of the sin of us. It was paid for. It was paid for. But second, this is maybe the hardest for us to understand. When the Bible says it's free, it actually means free. In a day and age where we don't believe anything is free, this is the one thing that is. For by the grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. John 17 says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all you've given him. This is truly free. Christ is offering you a restored relationship with your master God. We were designed and created in his image, but we have been serving the enemy. And he's offering you, offering me, a restored relationship with our Father. It's not about doing good things. You can't go to church enough. You can't earn it. You can't win it. You can't go get it. You can read your Bible all you want, but if you've not submitted your life to Christ and under God, there's no way of getting this. I can't and I will not dress the gospel up. This is it. If you are still a slave to sin, you need Jesus Christ and nothing else. He is the only, listen, only one who can rescue you to your master. And God is a better master. Christ bore the wrath God meant for us so that you can be made right with God. He became sin so we can become holy. He died so we don't have to. He now offers it freely to you and to me if we will repent and put our faith and trust in him. It's a free gift. It truly is. Now, as the, as the worship team comes up and joins me, I want to wrap up real quick by going to Revelation 22. This is the end of your Bible. So if you're not familiar with your Bible, just turn right and end before the concordance. <laughs> just go right. Revelation 22. There are truly two different masters offering two different possessions by two different means. When sin is your master, death is your possession, and you have rightfully earned it. But when God is your master, eternal life is your possession that you have been freely given in Christ. There are a couple different kinds of people in here today. And I don't know where you stand. I don't know what your relationship is with Christ. I don't know if you have one. But if you are a believer today, this should give you joy. You see, we are to be the most joy-filled people in the world. When you wake up out of your bed in the morning, you roll out of bed, and, and all the world threatens to steal your joy when it tells you all the things you've got to do, all the mouths you've got to feed, uh, all the things that are on your plate. 
all the things that aren't working out, all the pain in your life, whatever it is, you know it. The gospel is what can give you joy. It's the hope of what's to come. It's knowing that Christ has paid for your sin. And it's remembering that one day you will stand before God and Jesus is going to say, this one is mine. This one is mine. You can't uh, send him to hell because this, this one's mine. I paid for him. But if you're not a believer today, I really want to plead with you. You may not believe God exists, or you may believe you, you can earn salvation for yourself. But listen to me, knowledge about God is not a relationship with God. Just because you sit in chairs in here doesn't mean you've got a relationship with God. There's no hope if you stay enslaved to your sin. If you're enslaved to your sin, it'll only give you one thing, and that is death. You need to be rescued, and that rescue comes through only repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying to you today, come to me. Come to me. Come to Christ and he will welcome you with open arms. Revelation 22 says, The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. It is a free gift we've been given in Christ. Christ.